Okay, let's get this show on. Alrighty. G'day guys, welcome to episode 001 of the Bradley J Driver Experience. I'm your host, Bradley Driver, you can call me Brad, and today I'm super excited, it's the first one, we're kicking off with a guest that when I sat down and looked at a list of people I wanted to have on, um, obviously it was, I was intrigued to get local people on who were doing exciting things, and my first thought was this guy. Um, it's basically, um, I'm going to introduce him very well in a minute, but I think when I look at local business and, and people who are doing well in that, that space, I like to see people who have got great community engagement, great customer engagement. And I think you guys scream that as well as I love the product too, which is super important for me to have you on here. Um, you've also got a very interesting life story, which... We sort of got into sort of a week or two ago when we sat down and had a proper chat about all of this. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, Lachlan Stevens from His Boy Elroy. How are hey, you, mate? Yeah, good, man. Good. Thanks for having me on. Um, looking forward to it. I made the New Year's... I, I said it the other day, it's not a New Year's resolution. Um, it's, a, um, it's a New Year's goal to, to kind of put myself out there a little bit more. 100%. And... and um, I'm glad to be on your podcast as a first one. Yeah, mate, we're kicking it off, and it's it's exciting. And the thing for me is, I look at what you've done with His Boy. Um, I think it's a very successful business. For those of you who don't know His Boy Elroy, we're talking. The title of this episode will actually be "Beers, Burgers, and American Sports Culture." Yeah, because I think that almost in three words or three phrases, kind of gives a really good sum up of what is happening over there at the at the restaurant bar. Um, but it's basically a bar restaurant where these guys have got a real twist on, I guess, the American culture of burgers, fries, wings. Um, you Give it away. Tell the people what the business is about. Yeah, so it is beers, burgers, um, and, and the bar aspect, um, and, and also the, uh, like the sporting culture. But I guess... <clears throat> from a company's perspective, we frame it um, under the banner of three values, so community, authenticity, um, and loyalty. Um, and every decision we make um, regarding the business is framed within that th- those, those core values. Um, but basically, we, we view it as it is a business, but we also view it as a social enterprise. So um, it, it's your stock standard burger restaurant, um, uh, which um, plays sports throughout the day. Um, Not stock standard. They're fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, c- conceptually, it is. If you if you don't understand the, if you see it at a surface level, um, you you see burgers, beers, and sports. Um, but if you dive underneath, um, we, we've successfully been able to um, build a, a community of people through the sports arm of the business or through the burger arm of the business or through yeah. the beer arm. Um, and certainly that's our focus um, for 2020. Yeah, that's one thing that I think looking from the outside in has really impressed me about the way that you guys run is your social's great. Mm-hmm. Like I think around footy season, sporting season, you've been really good at engaging the community in sports, which then I think makes them more comfortable coming in to eat, to drink, to engage with you guys as staff? Yeah, so um, we, we bought the business um, of Ben and Naomi Hudson. They own 
um, Lee and me, and they did a fantastic job at building this brand and building the kind of, I guess, the scaffolding. Yeah. Um, and and of course, we we saw opportunity um, in in kind of diving into that community um, and building those communities from a sporting perspective, um, especially on social, um, at a really authentic um, community level. So we. Um, for example, NFL season, we, we set up a, um, a private Facebook group um, and rather than hitting the masses with such a specific message, because we have a whole heap of demographics, whether it's families, whether it's young couples and whether it's sports, sports nuts. Um, some people might like NBA, some people might like NFL, some people might like rugby league. Um, so um, our messaging on our main socials can get lost um, when you're speaking about specific subjects. Um, so we have a concept of, of um, building these small pockets off our normal social um, where we can have authentic dialogues with our, our customers of that particular demographic. Yeah, that's great. And I think that's really important for any local business to continue to grow is to have that relationship. But also I think one thing that you've mastered um, and I, I think definitely, I've sort of been, when Ben and, ben and Naomi are, are great people, I really get on good with them too, have a bit of banter with Ben over mm. social yeah. um, all the time. And um, I, I went there a, a bit um, mm. when they owned the business. I've probably been more involved in the last year and I think it's off mm. the back of how you've engaged with mm. people. Um, I think it's been really good. But also, we first met, I, I'm pretty sure, was at the, um, the Illawarra Hawks season launch. Yes, yeah, so, at the stage. Yeah, yeah, it was, um, and and that's kind of like the Hawks is um, uh, the relationship we've got with those guys is um, is something is probably one of my highlights over the last nine months of owning the business, um, and how we've um, successfully engaged with that community of fans um, in that real authentic way, um, and um, to be able to kind of um, I guess. Um, rustle up support and pull from their supporter base um, yeah. and plonk them in his boy Elroy, but do it in an authentic way. Oh, um, 100%. And, and um, the Illawarra Hawks, I guess, we, we like to partner with businesses um, and organisations that hold very similar values to us, so community, um, loyalty and authenticity. And I think there's nothing better... Um, uh, or, or, or no better example than that than the Illawarra Hawks and their their story and their history, um, and we've um, successfully launched a, a brand um, Snake Pit Lager off the back of that, yeah. um, which is a local collaboration between Five Barrels Brewing, Illawarra Hawks, and his boy Elroy, um, and we wanted to kind of create a product um, that that screamed kind of okay, we're about craft beer but we're also about community. Yeah. And we've got those three strong community um, institutions almost coming together to, to release this beer. Yeah, mm. and I like that. I think it's, it's creative. It's also a great way to get people in who love the craft beer, that mm. sort of thing. But it's nice to see the collaborations locally as well that mm. support other businesses. And I think that's really important too. And so I think, mate, you're doing an amazing job there. Um, we'll get a little bit more on to what's happening um, event-wise coming up soon. 
Yeah. Um, but first, I want to touch on sort of where you are now. His boy Elroy, mm. owner, operator, um, business is doing very well. But cast back um, and just tell us the life journey. So um, it's a it's a little bit random. I bounce around. I, I, from someone looking outside in, um, they might look at me and go, oh, "That bloke just doesn't know what he wants to do, and he, he chops and changes all the time." And certainly, um, uh, my my wife Selena um, kind of thinks the same. Um, but she's over the years she's come to really understand what I'm all about and. It's just about, like, basically, if I can get to 70, 80 years old and look back and say, geez, you've had a fucking pretty good life and you've done this, that, the the other, um, uh, that's what it's all about. Um, And and that's where fulfilment in life comes comes, uh, from for me. And I I think... um, I I think experiences and learning and... consistently trying to challenge myself um that that's where that that special source is so um uh i grew up in um country new south wales in a town called kempsey um in northern new south wales um uh and Sta- that, i stayed in kempsey on the way back from my oh, road trip no i don't like admitting i'm, I'm from kempsey <laughs> but um uh yeah I, it, it was a like it's stock standard simple life um have a twin brother um and we moved down to Wollongong um to both go to uni I studied um a bachelor of creative arts um majoring in visual um visual arts and um it was completely random but I kind of like that conceptual kind of nature and like thinking about things um so um and, and and making stuff that that is my thoughts yeah. and, and that kind of process of building um, <clears throat> but also I was conflicted at the time um, I wanted to join the army um, yeah. uh, and it was something that I wanted to do when I was in in school but I didn't think I was I was ready from a maturity perspective it's a massive um, step right yeah, so ma- you're 18 19 at this time yeah I was 17 when I, when I went to uni um, and um, I got halfway through my degree um, and uh, I, I started kind of getting the itchy, itchy feet and, and, and wanting to kind of um, move on. But I, I don't like quitting with things. So I, I stuck it out for three years. Um, and then as soon as I was done, I enlisted in the army as a, a combat engineer. So um, basically like um, uh, construction, demolition, um, minefield clearance. Um, and, and that in itself is a fucking terrifying word, hey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, but but like when you're in that situation, when you're around um, the boys, and when you when you're in that that kind of culture, yeah. um, and everyone's supporting um, in their in their own ways, um, yeah. it doesn't become hard when you train. It, it's it's it doesn't become terrifying. It becomes exciting. Yeah. Um, that that adrenaline um is is a great thing so um in 2010 i deployed to afghanistan as a rio or a, a reinforcements um what that means is um i uh, uh, our, a couple of sections from our unit in afghanistan um 
copped a copped a hiding. Like there was a couple of deaths and and there was a couple of injuries. Um, and uh, I went in as reinforcements um, along with uh, a couple of friends. And um, my job was um, a high risk searcher. So um, basically, it's one, uh, uh, waving a, a mine lab or a metal detector um, and searching for improvised explosive devices and weapons caches. Um, so, like, of course, there's there's that nerves. But, um, originally, it, it was like it, it's exciting, and and um, you're doing something that you never thought you'd ever be doing, and and it's that kind yeah. of thirst and that that challenge of of making a mark in history, which was exciting to me and serving my country. Um, and um, got back um, uh, from Afghanistan in 2010. Um, and trained up and went back again over in um, 2012. Uh, okay. And and that by that time, um, the the war in its current sense in Afghanistan was was moving to another stage. When when we were over there, it was a little bit more offensive. Um, we were mentoring the Afghan National Army, um, and um, we, it was boots on the ground. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, 2013 onwards, it started to kind of draw itself down into more of a um, um, let's sit back and watch yeah. um, type role. <coughs> um, of course, there's other op- offensive ops done by, by special forces, but um, certainly um, as a combat engineer, um, it was less about be- being on the ground. And um, for me, um, I thought, well, now's the perfect time to kind of move on to another challenge. Um, but Can like, I ask before you move yeah. on? Sorry to interrupt. How are you feeling? So if you cast back to that moment, so you're in between tours, mm-hmm. you've had your first. How are you feeling when you know you're going over for your second? Is it? Are you looking forward to it because of the culture that's been created amongst those guys? Or is it not so much? And No, I, I think if you ask... 99.9% of servicemen and women, if they would like to go overseas, and they would say yes. Um, it, it's just something about it. I like. Um, I didn't really understand it, and it's only until kind of a couple of years ago that I actually understand it. But I, I liken it to like, uh, say, a football player um, playing uh, state of origin. They're yep. actually they're actually playing in the big leagues. They're they're, they're um, challenging themselves in this um, in in this high pressured environment, yeah. um, and there's so many f- feelings and emotions associated with that, and it's 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 all real, it's authentic. Yeah. Um, so, and, and that adrenaline and that excitement is what drove me between 2010 and 2012. And that thirst to kind of get back over there and, and actually do my job for yeah. real rather than training, yeah. which is what 99% of the time you spend in the Defence Force is. It's That's training. what I was going to ask. So is it when you're over there, so say you're spending... In those tours, how long are you spending in Afghanistan at one stretch? Oh, so um, in 2012, I spent six months in Afghanistan. So that's a long time. So yeah. what does a week so a week, look like? We, we were um, mobility support out to forward operating bases. So we were in the main base and we would drive um, in convoys um, out to forward operating bases to resupply. 
Um, but um, our, our job was the lead car. And um, when we'd come to, a, say, a vulnerable point where there's a high chance of um, IEDs um, in that area, whether it be um, the terrain leading you into a choke point or whether it be um, a history of IEDs or explosions yeah. in that area or whether it be um, intelligence collected, um, we, we would jump out and, and search that area um, and, and deem it safe. Yeah. Um, and then drive through um, and, and move on to the, the next choke point. Can I ask, in your time, is there any times that it was unsafe that you found stuff? Yeah, or? so there's a, there's a whole heap of kind of um, examples that I could refer to. Like I found a couple of IEDs. Yeah. Um, one, one massive one, it was a 30-litre uh, uh, palm oil container um, and... Uh, with a remote control. 30 litres. Yeah, so, yeah, 30, they, basically they um, use a homemade concoction. It's not military-grade explosive. Um, it's um, ammonium nitrate and diesel mixture um, in a big container um, with a, um, a point where they, they there might be a pressure plate that sets it off when yeah. you drive over it or step on it. It also might be um, remote controlled, so it could be a um, uh, like a garage door opener um, that they would um, they would press and it would detonate. We have electronic countermeasures um, that that is our, our fail safe. Um, but yeah, no, that it, that's a couple of examples of like um, the the kind of like things that go on there. Um, there's been examples where we. Um, where the um, Taliban um, would chuck out metal shavings um, on the road so it, it sends their, the, our metal detectors into haywire just to slow us down. Yeah, so okay. we would be laying on the, on the ground, um, crawling and poking with the mine prodder um, and getting kind of um, five metres in an hour. Um, it's full on. Yeah, so it is. It is quite full on. But as I said, like it's extremely rewarding, and it definitely gives me a better perspective on life. Um, and it continually drives me um, now. And um, I, I, unlike a, a couple of friends um, who's unfortunately kind of um, uh, succumbed to the the pressures of of mental mental health. Yeah. Um, and. Um, uh, unfortunately, um, or fortunately, sorry, um, I I look at it as a uh, as a positive experience in my life. Yeah. Um, and where there is um, uh, friction in life, and where there is pressure in life, that's where you develop as a person. Hundred percent. Um, and um, I, I, I guess that that whole analogy of um, uh, diamonds are made under pressure. I, I really love that because um, that's where you learn. That's where the magic happens. That's where you learn a lot about yourself and your capabilities. Yeah. So when I then go on and um, say um, buy a bar, which I have no experience in from um, uh, on paper, um, and when people might say or I might hear, oh, well, what are they doing in hospitality or what are they doing in this industry when they don't have experience? I go, I think back, This is and this is what I'm doing internally, I think back and go, you know what, fuck them. Like, 
like I've done this in my life. Surely it's not harder than this. A hundred percent. So, and, and that's what kind of drives me. I think it's funny you say that. I think mm. there's a real, like you said, there's a real misconception that different industries require mm. different experience. And I think mm. what a lot of people forget is life experience a lot of the time mm. is actually more important than specific experience in a field. Yeah. Um, mate, I'm the same. I've, I've mm. done my few bits and pieces mm. here, there and everywhere, sort of came out of school, personal trainer, ran a little small mm. business. So I've got respect for you yeah. and, and what you're doing in his boy and then found myself in real estate and now side hustling with this sort of stuff. Mm. Um, but I think if you look at all, they're all completely different. Mm. But there's parts of each job where you take those positive traits and mm. you're able to apply it to the next one. And I think a big part of that, which probably is a good little segue onto mm. the next step yeah. from coming home to the army is leadership. Yeah, yeah, well, and that's a, I think, I think it kind of hit the nail on the head. You're grounded in values, and that's what the Defence Force did. Um, it, it adds a framework of, say, mateship and integrity um, and ownership um, uh, through values um, in individuals. And if you understand the the what values do conceptually um, in a life or in a business then you just apply it and, and, and that's what I've done. Um, so I, I left, the, left the army and um, uh, got a job with Merlin Entertainment um, as a senior operations manager. And um, my partner, um, Selena, she worked at Merlin Entertainment in public relations yeah. at the time. Um, and she said, oh, there's this little job um, up at Illawarra Fly as a senior operations manager, and my first reaction was, "What's a what's a fucking <laughs> senior operations manager?" Um, and I um, I read into it, and a lot of the a lot of the um, a lot the job description read like an army job description yeah. in that that there was a lot of leadership kind of qualities, and I think a lot of manic. That, that's what sets the difference between a, a leader and a manager. So there's three arms in the army. Um, there's command, so you go there and do this. Um, there's management, um, like organisation yeah. or, or um, uh, organising your unit or organising a roster. Um, and then there's leadership. And that's what managers struggle. People, I think a lot of people struggle with leadership. Yeah. Because... You, you can read a book about leadership and you can understand it conceptually, but to put it into practice is a whole different beast. 100%. Um, because it requires a strong foundation of values to yeah. guide you um, uh, through, um, through y your job. And I can imagine it requires a huge amount of empathy and understanding too because mm -hmm. you can imagine leading in the army is... Whilst very similar, gonna be a different game to leading in a business like that, where you've got different personalities, um, different culture. Yeah, yeah. Well, in a, in in the army, you have command, leadership, and management. Um, command doesn't exist in private enterprise. Um, yeah. Leadership and management do, because people don't respond well to, to, command. to commands. Nor should you need to command. Yeah. Um, if you are a good leader, you don't need to command. 
Um, bad leaders are commanders um, um, in private enterprise. In, in the army, it's different because there's situations where you need to command. Yeah. You need to just tell people what to do. On the footy field, you need to... Captains need to be able to command and tell people what they need them to do because yeah. it's instantaneous. Um, in private enterprise, you need leadership. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. So from there, you're, how long did you spend at the Illawarra Fly? So I was, in a, I was up at Illawarra Fly for around a, a year and a half. Um, during that time, I, I worked at a couple of their other attractions in... Um, uh, in Otway, down in Melbourne, at Otway Fly, Treetop Adventures, um, and also up at Wildlife Sydney Zoo yeah. um, as an operations manager up there. So, Did you live in Melbourne? Uh, no, I, I just went down there for, okay. it was a seconded role, so yeah, I okay. went down there for a couple of months. Yeah. Okay, nice. Mm -hmm. And then from there, the opportunity <laughs> then comes up to purchase the business or no, that? No, no, not from there, not from there. I then moved up um, to Sea Life Sydney Aquarium yes, um, correct. As, as the head of operations. Yeah. Um, so um, all of a sudden I went to a, uh, um, a, from an attraction that did around 60 to 70,000 guests per year to, to an attraction that did 1.6 um, to 1.7 million yeah. guests per year. So it was quite a big jump. Um, but um, I, I, to be honest, I, I love that organisation. I love Merlin Entertainment. Um, but I was getting a little bit kind of um, over um, working for the man. I, I thought, yeah. well, I'm f flogging myself um, for someone else. Let's start yeah. flogging myself for myself. So that brings us to his boy, Elroy, finally. Yeah. And can I ask, rude question, mm. but, but how old are you now? 32. 32. Yeah. 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 And I think that's... For a lot of people, mm. I guess that's scary because you're at a point in your life where you're married, mm. um, you're making a big career change or move. And I actually mm. spoke about this yesterday with a mate. We're mm. speaking about how people get to that age where they begin to fear change. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, I think it's it's unreal that at, at that age past 30, which a lot of people signifies an age where you just stay and you, you become stable in yeah. whatever you've found and, and are doing. Mm -hmm. And it probably would have been easy to stay in a big business um, where you're doing well and performing. Mm -hmm. um, but when you then get this idea that, okay, I want to I create my own thing, yeah. or not even create, but grab mm -hmm. something and, and make it my mm -hmm. own, um, what were you looking at in terms of buying a business? Was it purely hospitality or were there other avenues you looked at? No, I, like I, to be honest... It's not just hospitality. I think um, there, there's people that possess that entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. Um, and I, I was exactly in that position where I, I was um, uh, getting on um, 30, well, I was 31 years old and uh, I, I was at the stage where I'm like, oh, well, like security is important, but let's just take finance and it, it does matter. Like, finances does matter. Yeah. And that security does matter. But also happiness, like, I put above money. 100%. Um, and, and I think, like, one thing, if, if you have the opportunity to do that, um, and I'm not, like, some situations are different and some people are forced into being, having to be secure because they have 
kids mortgages um, or mortgages and and um, we were fortunate enough um, to not be in that position so I chose happiness over finances yeah um, and um, happiness comes from that entrepreneurial spirit for me that yeah. idea of taking something from point A to point B yeah um, and that's an underlying theme in in my life I guess is I, I want to kind of take something I want get, to get from point A to point B yeah. um, and um, I want to kind of be in control of that yeah um, it, whether it be getting from point A in Afghanistan to point B in Afghanistan or whether it be taking his boy from point A to point B whether that's in hospitality or whether it's in a different industry yeah um, it doesn't really matter the, yeah. the struggle I had it had to be an entry-level industry um, yeah. of which hospitality is yeah um, and um, what was important um, when we're doing um, appraisals on businesses and and is not looking purely at the profit and loss statements it's looking at the brand yeah um, and that's how I assess whether a business is good or not um, is is how strong the brand is or if the brand has potential and and that's what we saw in his boy Elroy so it was less about the profit and loss yeah if there's a strong brand there's opportunity um, and that's what kind of led us towards his boy I think branding is everything now mm. I think especially in a world where um, technology is at, at our fingertips um, at every request and mm -hmm. everything you want to know about a brand or a business is literally asking Siri away yeah. um, or just typing and searching on Google or mm -hmm. Instagram or Facebook. And I think it, it excites me that what, what I can see, and you said mm -hmm. it before, happiness um, for you sits above financial mm -hmm. security. Um, and, and it's similar for me. I've got very similar values and mm -hmm. I've spoken about it a lot this year mm -hmm. um, in how important I think happiness is. I think it's the best return on investment for any person in business because I think whilst short-term financial gain mm. um, can be attractive, long-term it fizzles out mm. where happiness over the long stretch and the long-term mm. will actually have you far superior financially in the end, I believe. Um, and one thing that I can see that you're actually speaking your truth and it's authentic mm. and it's real is every week I look at your business mm. And there's something new that you're incorporating, mm. which you, which doesn't necessarily mean financial gain. Mm. Um, and I'm thinking about um, what we discussed with the mental health and um, mm. what we're going to bring up in a minute. But I look at that and I think you're not doing that for any profit. There's no mm. real increase in business numbers or anything like that. But it's rather because you're genuinely so happy doing what you're doing and you're interested and you want to continue to grow. Um, that these ideas flourish and, and tend to succeed whenever you implement mm. something. Well, a lot of it, like, and I mentioned it earlier, we're not a business, we're a social enterprise. Yeah. And I'll keep on saying this because this is our, our kind of like whole strategy in a nutshell. Um, and if I had started a business from scratch, I would have had to focus on the finances. Yeah. Um, and I probably wouldn't have been successful if I'm going to be completely honest. But we've hit something um, at, at pace, yeah. Um, and we've found a business that um, uh, wasn't in the red, um, and and it had momentum. Yeah. We just had to. Um, it, it, I, I think I said it to you yesterday, uh, the other day. But um, 
it, it, it was like a snowball at the top of the hill. It just needed to be pushed down that hill. Yeah. Um, and we're starting to push it down that hill yeah. through different incentives um, and um, uh, different strategies, um, all within those, those values um, um, and that, that framework. Um, and that then just builds that momentum because it's authentic yeah. and because it's community-led. Um, and we've got our finger on the pulse of what matters to people. And yes, we're, we're doing things, um, but it's all calculated, um, yeah. but it, it is also authentic. And business and um, say charity work can be calculated, but it can also be um, uh, authentic. Yeah. And, and that's what we want to try and get across. Um, they can coexist. Some people... Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So tell me what's happening at the moment event-wise. I know I'm going to be there on Monday for mm. the Super Bowl party, um, mm. which I'm keen for. Um, that's going to be busy, I can imagine. Um, it's busy mm. on a regular day, mm. let alone at the Super Bowl day. Um, talk to me about events coming up, what, what you guys have going on. So um, got a few things going on actually. So if we look at those three arms that I, I and you mentioned at the start, um, sports, beers, and um, burgers, yeah, or food. Um, so from a sports perspective, we have the Super Bowl, and and then we'll transition into the the NBA um, and rugby league. Uh, we for for the beers thing, we're launching our our first beers and bites. So that's. Um, Every, every month we have a um, brewer of the month um, and um, this month's Capital um, Brewing Company um, and they're coming down to do uh, beer education with our customers yeah. um, and we're pairing our food with that um, and that will happen on a monthly basis. Uh, and um, from a uh, food perspective, in March we'll um, most likely be launching a vegan menu um, to okay. cater to cater for um, that ever-growing kind of demand. Yeah. Um, and from a social perspective, social enterprise perspective, we've launched um, Barstool Blokes, which is a men's mental health um, initiative aimed at kind of providing a, a forum from a social, pers a, yeah. a social perspective, um, a, a, a forum where guys can come and just hang out, chew the fat, drink some beer, yeah. talk some sports, and also know that if they wanted to talk about something that they're dealing yeah. with from a mental health perspective, they can without being judged. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I think it's awesome. I seen it last night um, when you flicked me an invite to the event, and I think those sort of initiatives, um, I, I, I just really respect the way that the society is moving now around mm. open conversation and man I, the reason i've started this whole podcast mm. is i think the power of conversation is huge yeah one yeah. positive conversation can change mm. your life one negative one can ruin your mindset and mm. i think the more of these positive and uplifting conversations we have um can only better benefit more people mm. and it's an amazing segue into episode two of the podcast yeah. because I've actually got a, a brand coming on to talk purely men, men's mental health. Mm. Um, so it's funny that that happened. When you flicked it through last night, mm. it's almost like the stars that aligned in the way that um, we were thinking quite similar. Um, 
But I'm excited and I want to talk a little bit about a little bit of banter now. Um, I think, like I said, the business is all about American sports culture. I think the culture of Australian sports is strong there too. Um, And I know you guys, especially last season with the NRL, um, I was definitely more engaged than I had been in years past because of the banter over social, um, your little polls on who was going to win certain games and that sort of thing. Um, tell us a little bit about your teams in each sport. So NFL, is there anyone you follow? Uh, NFL, like I'm, I'm not a huge fan, um, like some of our employees are, um, but I follow Seahawks. Okay. Yeah. Any reason in particular? N- no reason whatsoever. No, like, and we we spoke about this, like the rise in American sports it's culture crazy. is huge, and um, it's just getting bigger. And I, I think. Um, Australian kind of sports culture has is been tarnished over the years, whether yeah. it be from the, a cricket perspective in the scandal with Warner and Smith, um, uh, and and the the sandpaper, um, or whether that be um, from uh, an NRL perspective and blokes pissing in their mouth and yeah. um, and uh, doing crude things to dogs. Um, it's it's I think you don't see that. Of course, that kind of culture exists in every yeah. sport, but we don't see it. We see the glitz and the glamour of American yeah. sports. And like I before before I um, bought his boy Elroy, I was getting around in a Raiders hat that I bought from um, Neglected Society. I didn't even follow the Raiders. Yeah, but I liked the hat. Um, yeah, and you, you see that all the time. You know what's funny? I think. We, we touched on it before, how important branding is. Mm. Um, and I think what they're very good at in America with sport is they're very good at allowing players to personally brand themselves. Mm. Um, they're also very good at branding as teams. And mm. I think we lack that here in Australia. Like, mm. I think, like you said, you're more likely to see someone walking around in a Ra- Oakland Raiders hat mm. than you would in a Canberra Raiders hat because of the way they brand the sport. Yeah, yeah, and that like it, the the Raiders hat has a cultural identity, whereas yeah. the Canberra Raiders hat it doesn't really have a cultural impact. Yeah, it might in Canberra, yeah, um, and and it might in Canberra when they're winning. Yeah, but like you, you come to a St George Illawarra game when they're they're losing and there's yeah. two to four thousand people in the stadium. Yeah, um, I think it's something we've really got to improve. And I think it's, it comes down to probably affordability too. Yeah. Um, I like, and that's one other thing I'll touch on. I like what you guys have done from a, um, from the way that you've engaged your community with their sport. I know if you go and you watch a Nil or a Hawks game, um, there's certain discounts you get for them coming to um, the restaurant that night and grabbing a beer or, or and burger, whatever it is that your little deals are. Um, I know you're also very good at uh, one thing that I thought was genius mm-hmm. was now if you drive into Wollongong Central, you'll see a massive billboard. The biggest thing, and we spoke about it, the one yeah. thing that everyone hates about Wollongong Central is it costs money to park, it's expensive, um, and people hate that because you can pay, um, you can go for free at Shaw Harbour. And then these guys come in and go, well, we'll pay for your parking if you come in and you have a burger. So yeah. I think that's an amazing way of engaging people to come into your business. Mm. 
but also rewarding people for supporting your business. Mm. Yeah, well, we understood that it's about, it comes back to the community point. We, our fingers are on the, the pulse of, yeah. and we're kind of directly engaging with a hot topic within the, the region. Um, and um, we will build an advertisement or a promotion around that topic. Um, but also we, we see, we walk up to Wollongong Central in the food court and it's always busy. Um, and people are lining up and going and eating KFC or, or eating McDonald's. Um, so, and, and it's, they're price driven um, people. So yeah. we offer a price driven um, promotion um, and, and pinch that portion of the, the audience. Yeah. I like that. All right, another question. Um, so it's Friday night. You've had a massive week. Um, Friday night definitely isn't the end of the week for you. I know that. Um, but if Lockie Stevens was back in the customer seat and walked into his boy after a big week of work, what beer are you ordering? What burger, chips, oh. chicken convo? <laughs> what's the order? It would have to be um, a snake bit lager, um, of course, and um, a Heisenberger. So, Heisenberger. What's yeah. a Heisenberger? So that's a, our, our spicy chicken burger. It's good to go. It's good to go. Actually, I heard, <laughs> I heard a lot of people get around that. I'm massive around the popcorn chicken at the moment with the sauce. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's done some damage on Uber Eats, yeah. I tell you that much. But, um, yeah, look, obviously I think the business is really moving in a great direction. What's in store in 2020 and beyond for his boy? Um, I know there's obviously more and more ventures coming up and opportunities you're looking at. Yeah. Um, what does the next year look like? So um, the first quarter of the year, we're, we're focusing on collaborations um, with other local businesses, yeah. um, followed by um, looking at, at other opportunities, whether it's to expand his boy Elroy either north or south, or whether yeah. it is to um, uh, purchase other strong brands um, and and um, add them to our portfolio. But yeah. It's amazing. I think that's really, really impressive for mm-hmm. a year in. Because we're, are we a year in yet? Uh, nine months. So nine yeah, months. We, we've definitely picked up that, that momentum. And as I said, that snowball is rolling down yeah. that hill at pace, um, which is great. Um, we just need to, one, look at ways we can keep it yeah. keep it rolling. Um, and, and the second is um, we, we also need to look at diversification yeah. um, and... Um, uh, moving our, our brand in the direction of um, where we think opportunity is. Okay. Tips for the Super Bowl? I'd like to say um, San Fran, um, just because our venue manager, Daniel, um, is a mad fan, and I think he'll, he'll call in sick if, he, if his team loses. <laughs> um, but uh, Kansas City, I, I can't go past them. I'm, yeah. I'm on that train at the moment. Yeah. I'm a Rams guy, but I love Mahomes. Yeah, yeah. And I reckon they're on fire. But mm. I think it's going to be an amazing game. What time does Super Bowl kick off uh, at, at the shop? So we're we're open from. We'll be we'll be there from ten. If anyone wants to come down, it's only we're only taking walk ups. Um, however, um, it kicks off at around ten thirty. Okay, cool. And where do we find his boy Elroy? So that's. Um, uh, it's in the mall on Kira Street, um, so next to Snitz, Guzman, 
um, in the Bavarian. It's just up the road from from yeah. those guys. They keep walking past those and go to his boy. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> really appreciate you coming on, mate. Like I said, it's for me. This this I think is an amazing platform for us to share ideas. Um, I think to inspire other people. There's a lot of people that, especially now, the growing cafe culture, restaurant culture in Wollongong, I think it's on the up. And there's a lot of people that want to get into doing what you're doing. I think hearing the way that you've done this without, um, as we said, any hospitality experience, but rather um, reflecting back on those roles in other companies and other facets of your life, like the army and, and taking leadership. And I think creating or like like I said, not creating, but pushing that snowball down the hill mm. and um, and really running and thriving with this business. It's exciting to see. Um, we want to continue to make this platform an ability for people to share ideas, share inspiration. That's what this is all about, mm. creating that conversation. Is there anything you want to leave off on? <laughs> no, no, I think you covered it all. I've probably said too much. Nah, mate, perfect amount. Thank you so Cheers, much for coming on. Cheers, guys. We'll catch you at the next episode. Um, coming up very soon. We appreciate you tuning in. Like I said, this is episode 001 of the Bradley J Driver Experience. Lachlan Stephen, his boy Elroy, go check him out in town. Um, I'll say the best burger in town. I don't drink beer, but I've heard it's fucking very impressive. So we'll catch you (laughs) at the next one. Cheers, guys.